Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I know what you're thinking. All throughout the Christmas time season, Pastor has been invoking all of his favorite Christmas movies each week. Uh, you know, we've heard from Christmas Vacation and It's a Wonderful Life and all of these different ones, Charlie Brown. And here in today's gospel, you have a story of a little boy who's left alone. If only there were some Christmas movie like that. Of course, I'm talking about A Christmas Carol. <clears throat> no, Home Alone, right? Home Alone, of course, of course. And there are some similarities here, right? You've got the precocious little boy who's got his family and they've got the large caravan and they move out and they, they're going on a big trip, vacation, and they forget about him. They leave him behind. And then you've got the anxious mother who's going after doing everything she can in order to, to find her son. There's differences too, of course. It tells us almost nothing in the gospel about the idiotic robbers and their madcap antics to try and you know, undo the uh, heavenly home there. No, you don't have that. But the biggest difference of all, the biggest difference of all, even though there's these surface similarities and even how Home Alone is really a story about the family and you read this gospel and you think, oh, this is a nice story about the holy family, Mary and Joseph and little boy Jesus. On the surface of it, it has that similarity. But there is an important distinction to be made, which is that in this gospel story, at its deepest level, it's not just a story about a family. It's not just a, a homely little tale, little uh, glimpse of our Lord's early life. But instead, it reveals to us something profound about our Lord. And it's something that I think is especially relevant for us here at the beginning of a new year. And the key the hinge for discerning the, the real significance of this story lies in what in Greek is just one little three-letter word. Incidentally, in English, it can be pronounced as die, okay? It's D-E-I uh, was how we would kind of transliterate it. And it's the word uh, that means, or it's translated here as must, but I think is better translated as it is necessary. Let me hear you say necessary. It is necessary. Yes. Now, let's think for a minute about a taxonomy of necessity. What are the various reasons why something becomes necessary? Well, we think of uh, there's force or coercion. Something becomes necessary because somebody forces you to do it, whether it's a bully or a government or whatever it might be. That's one kind of necessity. There's another sort of necessity of circumstance, right? Circumstances force you to do something. Perhaps, you know, the, the weather causes you to cancel a game, something like that. It's another sort of necessity. Then there's a necessity of goal. You've got a goal, you've got an end in mind, and so you'll do whatever you have to do. Like Coach Tucker from Michigan State, I saw this watching the game the other day. On his clipboard, he has a saying, it says, it takes what it takes, right? That's a necessity for your goal or your end. And then finally, we might think of a necessity of duty, right? You have an intrinsic drive because of your character, because of your virtue. This is just what I have to do. This is what I must do because of who I am. You think of how the military operates in many ways, that necessity of duty. There's all these different varieties of necessity, and they're reflected to various degrees within the scriptures. But there's one more aspect to necessity, the most important and overarching one of all, a transcendent horizon of necessity that's reflected in the life of our Lord Jesus already right here as a youth. And that is the necessity of divine directive. 
of providential purpose. It is necessary because this is the Father's will. It's necessary because I am slotting into, Jesus says, I'm slotting into this larger mission of God the Father. That's where the ultimate necessity comes from. Of course, he does it also from duty and these bigger goals and all these other things, but ultimately, it is that divine directive, that providential purpose that compels our Lord Jesus. We see this throughout his whole life long. This little Greek word, "dai," shows up over and over again in the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus. I'll give you just a few examples. This is just from Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, it is necessary that I preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Again, in chapter 15, tells the, the story of the prodigal son, which culminates with, it is necessary to celebrate and be glad. That's necessary from God's perspective. Partying, feasting. Once again, 12th night party on Wednesday. Just so you remember, it's necessary. It's necessary. Then again, Jesus says, talking to Zacchaeus, that wee little man, he says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down from that tree, for it is necessary that I stay at your house today. But then finally, in words that are spoken multiple times in the Gospels, Jesus says, it is necessary that the Son of Man be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. It is necessary. All throughout our Lord's life and ministry, he is focused on that divine directive, that providential purpose. He is all about the Father's business. Now the question for you and me this morning is, what's your business? A fellow pastor recounted to me this time when he was getting on a plane. He was on a plane, he was sitting there, and he got to talking to a fellow guy, a guy next to him was a fellow believer. And the guy asked him, not knowing that uh, the occupation of my friend, and he says, what's your business? And my friend says to him, well, I'm a pastor. And the guy says to him, I didn't ask you what your job is. I asked you, what's your business? And he went on to make this distinction. He said, okay, you're a pastor. That's wonderful. I'm a Christian too. But that's not your business. You are in the business of, of saving souls. You're in the business of proclaiming the word. You're in the business of bringing good news to others. That's your business. Don't tell me what your job is. I'm asking you, what's your business? I think it's an important question for us to ask ourselves, too, perhaps especially at the, the beginning of a new year. I was thinking of it recently, too, because I've been reading this book with the kids, The Christmas Pig, okay, uh, from J.K. Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter stories, right? And it tells a story of a little boy who shrinks and he meets a pig who becomes alive and uh, it's great. And they're going on this adventure, they're looking for the little boy's lost toy. But one of the key concepts in the story, you don't need to understand all the details about it, right? Uh, one of the key concepts in it is that the, these toys, similar to Toy Story, become alive. They have what they call an alivening. And there's this key passage I want to share with you from the story that talks about what makes these toys alive. So the little boy, his name is Jack, he asks the Christmas pig, he says, well, what does this alivening mean? Is it like wake, the waking up you told me about? That's it, said the Christmas pig, looking down into the dark snowy street. And it happens when human feelings rub off on things? It's not really rubbing off, said the Christmas pig. The feelings come inside us. 
Alivening is what changes us from fabric and beans and fluff or metal and wood and plastic into something more. It can take a thing years to be fully alivened, but sometimes it happens all at once. That's the way it happened to me today in the toy shop. Holly and your grandpa were discussing which pig to take home to you, and when they chose me, I was alivened. That's when I began to mean something. The alivening is when we truly understand what we were made to do. The alivening is when we truly understand what we were made to do. That alivening happens when you grasp your business, right? Your purpose. What am I here for? What does God have for me? What are the, what's the calling or the callings that he has set on my life? How can I be of service to others? And it strikes me that in our contemporary world, in our contemporary culture, there tends to be somewhat of a focus on those first two aspects of necessity, of the coercion, the force. This is just, I got to do what I got to do, right? Whether it be because of my job, my boss, or whatever, those outside forces, or the forces of circumstance. This is what I got to do to make a paycheck, to put food on the table. And these aren't bad, of course. They are necessary. But there's much less focus on the necessity of that larger goal or purpose, the necessity of duty. And there's rarely, if ever, any discussion of the necessity of the divine directive laid on your life and mine, the providential purpose that God has given to each and every one of us. I think of the story, the Old Testament story of Nehemiah. You remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah was the guy whom God had called and appointed to help to rebuild the ruins of Jerusalem. But as they were doing that, the rebuilding the walls all around Jerusalem, there were people then who did not want to see that happen. There were folks who were coming and trying to distract and dissuade Nehemiah from his efforts. And so there's one instance where a couple of the guys come and they say, hey, Nehemiah, we, oh, we've got something else that we need you to do. They were just kind of making it up just to try and distract him, draw him away from his work. They kept coming to him over and over and over again. Nehemiah, come on, you've got, we, we need you right now. You've got to come do this thing. Da, 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 da. And Nehemiah says this. He says, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? I love that. Nehemiah has this sense of I have a divine directive here. And I'm not just going to be pulled off of my larger purpose because of whatever thing you might be trying to distract me from. There's so many things in our world today. It's the tyranny of the urgent, the stuff that's just put right in front of you that you think, well, this is what I need to do, but that can draw us away from your larger purpose, the providential purpose that the Lord has laid on your life, the business that he has given to you. Think again about our Lord Jesus, who recognizes it is necessary. It's necessary for him to be about the Father's business. It's necessary for him to preach the good news. It's finally necessary for him to suffer and to rise. And why is that? Because of his compassion for you. Because of his desire to claim you that you might be his own and live under him and his kingdom in order that he might make you and me alive with him so that you would be enlivened by God. And as it says in Ephesians 2.10, recreated in Christ Jesus for the good work and the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to walk into. That's what God is about. He has made you alive with Christ for such a time as this. 
to love your neighbor, to be a blessing to others, to carry out that divine directive. Now, I know at this point, some of you might have an objection. You might be thinking, well, pastor, I don't have some highfalutin purpose, right? You know, I'm just a, a teacher or a parent. I'm just a, a doctor, a nurse. I'm retired. You might be thinking, I don't have some big purpose here to do. I don't have that divine directive. But I'm here to tell you today that your divine directive, your providential purpose, need not be, in fact, and oftentimes is not, some great grand work for God to try and change the world. Instead, it's the little acts of love that the Lord has put right in front of you. Maybe you've heard that quote from Mother Teresa, who said that we can do no great thing, but only small things with great love. We can do no great thing, but only small things with great love. Every single one of you, God has called and enlisted into this purpose. And I know it because you're still breathing, because you're sitting here. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, I would rather depart and be with Christ because that is far better. But what shall I choose? He says, no, if I am here, if I'm to go on living in the flesh, it is because of a fruitful purpose that God has for me. And so it is for each and every one of you. And I can't tell, tell you exactly what that is, but I can tell you in these broad strokes that it is to love your neighbor. Whether those neighbors be the little kids whom God has put into your house, whether a neighbor be the employees who are under your care or the customers whom you are serving, or whether it be your physical neighbors, the folks next door to you. But let me give you just one example. An example that um, we've manifested in this congregation, which I think is a beautiful picture of how you are never too old or whatever to have a significant purpose. And this fall, we started up a program called the Prayer Partners, okay? And many of you have participated in the Prayer Partner program. And also, a number of our homebound members have participated in this as well. You know, I've seen how through this program, they have been able to be a blessing to our kids, to our youths. I'm thinking about Mrs. Shaw, and maybe, Marty, you're watching at home. And Mrs. Shaw, Liesl, she's your prayer partner, isn't she? And how Mrs. Shaw, she was talking to me and kind of agonizing about the ways that she can bless her prayer partner and how she prays for her. I thought, this is exactly what it's all about. I think of, of Mrs. Dahmers, Kathy Dahmers, who is Beatrice's prayer partner, who writes these sweet notes of encouragement, who provides all of these, these ways that she can build her up. And there's other prayer partners here, too, of, uh, for, for my own, another one of, of my daughters, and you know who you are, her prayer partner, who has been faithful with um, some issues that my daughter has been dealing with as well, and so many others of you within the congregation and this is a way that it doesn't matter if you're retired, it doesn't matter if you are 8 or 80 years old, there is a place and a purpose for you. Look, I could go on about this all day long, but suffice it to say that you have been created and recreated in Christ Jesus for good works that the Lord has set before you. But even when you don't do those great works, even when you feel like you're just twiddling your time away, know that the Lord saw fit to see that it was necessary to claim you, and even when you don't realize it, he's using you for the sake of your neighbors. Nothing could be more necessary than that. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing.